you obey God beyond your reason. When I said on Sunday, when your reason screams at you, your mind is screaming at you, don't do that. Oh no, if you do that, bad things could happen. If you give, you won't have enough at the end of the month. Protect what you have, right? We kind of think that way or whatever it may be. But the moment I obey God anyways and do what he asked me to do, it's a function of my faith. And faith is what pleases God and shows God honor to where he rewards those who diligently seek him. And by the way, there are three ways to receive what you need. Number one is by way of God. We know that. So we have a relationship with him. And he talks to us. He lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That's the third part of the Trinity. He lives inside of us and speaks to us on a daily basis. Uh, the other way is through his word. Um, I can't think of a better, more sure founded way to hear God than through his word because it changes not and it's always there and it's 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 there and you get it you receive it by revelation it shows you light and darkness we said that before um, but God does speak to us as well but sometimes as we're growing and maturing in, in the things of the Lord we don't always discern his voice uh, properly so his word backs it or his word confirms that voice and the third way uh, that you get confirmation and you hear God uh, to fulfill needs in your life is through his prophets or through a man of God who can speak into your life and by the way I say this all the time uh, you never listen to just any voice uh, you're not called to listen to everybody. There might be as few voices you listen to. Uh, the Bible says um, you have many teachers, but you have not many fathers. That might mean you can have more than one father, but you certainly don't have a whole lot of them. Um, but the truth of the matter is that there are only certain people that can actually speak to you that makes, makes you come alive, that thing inside of you come alive. And uh, that person that speaks in your life must always confirm the words, he says, by the word of God. Can't just be his, his ideas and his approach. Um, let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. Remember, they're being surrounded about. And Judah was struck, I'm sorry, Jehoshaphat was struck with fear because they had surrounded Israel. And he said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be what? Established. Believe his prophets, and you shall what? prosper so yes I know that some of you maybe have been burned by other prophets or other pastors or whatever but uh, that doesn't mean we have to negate that in other words just because one man did you wrong, wrong lady doesn't mean all men are bad right so you got to find the one and be vulnerable enough to learn and trust again and let that let the word of God come to you so it can be able to set you free uh, you were never meant to engage I want to say this real quick you're never meant to be engaged in a long drawn out fight and if you are going to fight Make sure you got people who got your back. So when you're going into battle, come on, somebody. You got somebody who can stand with you in that place of warfare. But I'm going to tell you right now, you were not created over and over again to have one fight after another. Have you ever met somebody like that? You run into them, how you doing? Oh, man, the devil has been beating me up all week long. I'll pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name. Help him, give him peace for right now. And you, a year later, run into him in the grocery store. How you doing? Ma'am. Funny you should say that. The devil has been beating my brains out all week long. Lord Jesus, don't, Lord, get the devil. He can't be beating the brains out. Lord, in Jesus' name, help them out. Bring them peace right now in Jesus' name. Year later, how you doing? Oh, man. Oh, man, I'd be doing good if it wasn't for that devil. Come on. At some point, you got to get some victories. Come on, somebody. Am I right about it? I'm not, 
I'm not belittling the fact that you're in a battle. I'm just trying to tell you you weren't created to stay in a battle. It will, he will beat your brains out. That's why, that's why many of people of God are worn out. They're beat up. They're worn out. They don't want to fight no more. They don't have the time. They don't want to come to church anymore. Why? It's a battle. Of course it is. Of course it is. I used to say this all the time when we were a young church. Maybe it wasn't very good. But it's how I felt about it. When you've joined the body of Christ, you get born again. Amen. When you got saved, hallelujah, you didn't get on the love boat. You got on a battle cruiser. Come on, somebody. <laughs> oh, no. I want to get on the love boat. There's gopher, and then there's the captain, and there's, oh, there's a little pool I can lay. But come on, right? How many remember the love boat? The love boat. But it's, the, it's not that way. It, it is intense sometimes, but it's a battle. But they're not supposed to be forever. You go in, you hit hard, you get out, you get the spoils of war, and you're a little bigger and a little bit more prosperous, and you have a little more wisdom than you had before, and you're closer to God than you've ever been before, and you're taking more souls back in the kingdom of God than ever before. You're getting something out of it. But the devil ain't just going to leave you alone. No, of course not. Faith, it's, by the way, it's called a good fight of faith. So what's the enemy going to fight you over? Your faith. He's always trying to get you to doubt God's word. Doubt that you can get out of the situation. Doubt that the doctor might be right and God might be wrong. And, and doubt that God can actually prosper you and get you out of the hood. Amen. Faith is a prerequisite of victory. If we're going to have victory in God in any area of our life, it comes by way of I put my trust in him. I yield to him no matter what it looks like. I just know he's going to bring me through. I will not fret. I will not worry. I'm not going to be concerned about it. I told you this a couple weeks ago. I believe it was last week. I said Jesus said if you can't add one hour to your life, he says, and you can't even do that, and it's a little thing. Why are you worried about the rest of your life then? Don't you know that you're more valuable than the ravens, the birds of the air, and yet your father feeds them? They ain't got no storehouse, ain't got no barn, don't sow no seed, ain't reaping no harvest, yet God every day is taking care of them. How much more value are you than they? Do not be worried about anything. <laughs> worry not. Everybody say, worry not. Worry not. Luke 18:1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray. How often are we supposed to be praying? Always. Excuse me, how often? Always. And you can't get here on Sunday nights to pray once in a while. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm going to leave it right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> and not lose heart. When you pray, don't lose heart. Don't give up. If you're going to pray, pray. There was a certain, a, a, a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. 
And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find, really find, will he really find faith on the earth? He's talking about the woman's faith. I don't know what the woman did or didn't do. I don't know what her family did or didn't do. I don't know how serious her adversary were out to get her or not. And the judge certainly didn't care one bit about it but because she wouldn't give up she locked down with her faith she said I know you're the one that's got the answer you're the only one that can give me the answer he's saying that's like your relationship with God I don't know what's going on around here all I know is you're the only one that can help me yeah. I know that if I cry out to you day and night you will hear me and you will speedily come and bring me my recovery just like the man who said I don't regard God nor man I do what I want I make up my I didn't make up my own decision for myself but because she won't quit she won't give up that's what faith is faith says I locked down locked in I've bitten hard my jaws are locked onto it and I'm not giving up for nobody why aren't you giving up? Because I know that I know that I know that what God promised me is going to come to pass. I'm not looking at what I can see, but the things that I cannot see. For the things I can see, come on, they're temporary. They're subject to change. But the things that I got in my spirit, I know they're eternal. Come on. Hyper-focused faith. Like a, my mother said, my mother said this all the time. You're like a stinking broken record. Jeff, give it up. You're like a broken, how many ever heard that term? You're like a broken record. How many ever heard that before? Put your hands up, it'll age just a little bit. Praise God. All the kids, there's a record, it was, it was vinyl, and it would go like this. They put grooves in it. We didn't know how it worked, but it worked pretty good. And it was fuzzy at times, but it was good. Praise God. And how many had your great, had your favorite, your favorite album? Whatever it was, I don't know, what it was, whatever you liked back in those days. And you bought your favorite album, and you put it in there, and you played it. And then one day, you don't know what happened. But all of a sudden, you listen to it, you're jamming to it. You got, you know, you got the, you got the sonic speakers. Come on. Amen. You got, you know, how many know what I'm talking about? Hi-fi. Amen. And they're the best speakers in town. And you got yourself a great turntable with a cool needle. Amen. And it glows a little bit. Amen. And, and you got your stuff. And it's just, you got the right, and it's just, you're jamming. You're, you're getting into your song. And all of a sudden, it just, and it just repeats the same verse. It just keeps repeating the same verse over and over. What does that mean? That means your record got scratched. What happens when it gets a scratch? Come on in it. What happened? It will skip, right? Now what happens is, well, we found out a little trick back in the day. Some of y'all remember this. We found a little trick back in the day. If you'll take a few pennies, come on somebody. It might be two pennies. It could be five pennies. It just depends. And you take some pennies and you put it on the end of that needle. Come on. Uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. We might not grow up in the same neighborhood, but we were the same people. Amen. And, and we put them on the end of that needle. What happened? What happened was you, because of the pressure that you apply on that needle, it'll keep that needle, come on, in the groove. Are y'all following me so far? And when that, that part comes up, it will go right through a smooth sailing. Why? Because you applied pressure. When the pressure gets applied, it actually keeps you in the groove. And when pressure comes on you in your life, come on, somebody. It can keep you, God can keep you in a place. Come on, church. 
so you won't skip over, come on, and repeat the same things over and over again like a broken, stinking record in your life. I know I'm preaching real good now, but God will allow the pressure to keep your behind in the groove so you stay where God wants you to stay. You can't move to the left or the right until you finish the song. And when the song is over, come on. You liked it, so you played it again. How, no, you, you move on. You move on. You move on. Touch your neighbor. Just say, you'll win. Just say, you win. You win. That just reminded me of something right there. You remember the old song we used to sing? No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. Man, that's true. I don't know if I want to bring that back or not, but that's a good song. That, that's a good song. Everybody say, I win. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God. I give you thanks, Lord, who always, how often? Always leads us in triumph in Christ. Ain't never this God ever led you in a place of defeat, ever. You're not going down. I'm here to tell you, you're not going to break down. You're not going to break apart. You're going to break through. And then you're going to break free. Someone say Amen. God, God's always got triumph in mind for you. Deuteronomy 2, verse 1. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea as the Lord spoke to me. And we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you've skirted this mountain long enough. Isn't that about, isn't that about right? Don't we got to say it to ourselves right now again? You know, I've been going around this mountain long enough. I've been dealing with this situation long enough. I've had one bad relationship after another long enough. I have been broke as a joke long enough. Come on, church. I have dealt with this health issue long enough. In other words, God does, he's, I don't have any intent for you to go around the mountain again. It's up to you. He said, turn northward and command the people saying, you're about to pass through the territory of your brethren. In other words, you're about to go to the next, the next season of your life. The descendants of Esau who live in Seir, he said, they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourself carefully. He said, do not meddle with them for I will, I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as one footstep because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. In other words, God's saying, look, I'm going to give you your own victories. Let them have their victories. You ain't got to uh, be in the, the shirt uh, tail of anybody. Success. I want you to have your own success, your own victories in life. And then he says, you shall buy food from them with what? Money, your own money. You, you're going to eat and you should buy uh, water from them with what? Money, your own money that you may drink. See, sometimes God will give you water out of a rock and sometimes he'll just increase the resource that's in your hand. But the bottom line, God is your source and he's got to become your only source. And when God becomes your only source, you know your faith is now kicked in where all things become possible. For the Lord God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging. He knows you're trudging through the great wilderness. He knows what you've been going through, literally. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Rise, take your journey, and cross over the river Arnon. Look, I have given into your hand, Sion, the Amorite king of Heshbon, and his land, begin to possess it and engage him 
in battle. God said, look, don't be afraid of nothing. I'm going to give you your own patterns of victory in your life. But now that I say move, I want you to move and I want you to go and possess and I want you to engage in battle. I'm going back to what I said a moment ago. It's time for us to fight. You did not get on the love boat. Love boats are for vacationers. That's not what you're here for. You're here to take back territory. When I say territory, I mean everything God promised you in your life and you got to fight for it. And when you fight, you've got to fight to win. You fight to win. You don't fight for second best. You fight to be the winner. Let me show you the pattern. David was a sheep herder, and um, David uh, was called to the front by his father to, to, to feed his brothers in war and just give report back to Jesse to, to tell him how the brothers were doing. He missed them. And so he goes to the front line, sees his brothers, and everybody is just shaking in their boots, including King Saul. He can't figure out what's going on. There is no battle, no that's happening, but he sees the Philistines off. So here's what you have. You have two massive hills, and there's a valley between them, right? And so far off, you can see the, you can see the other soldiers, and you can see the, the um, Israeli uh, camp. And um, in the valley was this massive, massive giant by the name of Goliath. So Goliath is hurling all these accusations and saying all this kind of stuff and cussing them out. Literally, he was cussing them out, uh, making fun of God, everything you think of to engage in battle. See, the devil's not intimidated. See, a bully isn't intimidated until you come at the bully. He'll always keep coming at you until you're willing to stand up. And then all of a sudden, he, his knees begin to shake. So now then, uh, uh, he said, look, if you fight me and, and you win, we'll bow our knee." But if, if I win, you guys got to bow your knee. One man against one man. And whoever wins, wins the battle, right? No, we don't have to have a lot of blood loss here. One man to one man. And no one's going to fight him. Can't find anybody brave enough, including Saul. David says, I'll fight him. Saul says, no, come on now. You're just a kid. I'll fight him. Try to put his armor on him. He said, okay, do it. Here's my armor. Armor's way too big. Saul's a big man. And he's just a kid. He's probably, in his, he's probably a teenager. 17, 16, 17 years old. And so he says, I don't need this. God caused me to smite a bear and I killed him when he came after my sheep and a lion and I killed him when he came after my sheep. I'm going to go against this uncircumcised Philistine and you'll see what God will do. Takes five smooth stones and goes over the slingshot, guys. Takes down Goliath. Now I'm saying all this. Takes his head off, exposes his body. It's, it's, it, it takes the head. I mean, he's, it's a big deal. And um, the promise was this that whoever takes the giant down, he will win the hand of Saul's daughter. So here we have a peasant kid, right, who has not a dime to his name, has the bravery to do what he feels. He said, I'm going to do this in the name of the Lord. Goes in the name of the Lord, takes down the giant, goes, engages in battle, and wins the victory all by faith, all by faith wins the hand of Saul's daughter, marries into the family, enters Saul's house from then on, never has to pay taxes the rest of his life. And remember, they cried, they said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David killed his 10,000s. He got honor. I'm just here to tell you, victory, honor, spoils, um, seeing God do great things in your life will never come to pass unless you're willing to engage in warfare. Look, I, tell, I tell this all, say this all the time. People love faith builders. They do. It's, why not? It's a great church. I, I tell you, I, I think it's a great church too. It's not that, that people don't come back. They don't come back because they get involved in warfare. And when they get involved in warfare, they're like thinking, my God, it was easier not to go to church than it is going to church. Uh, duh. 
I don't mean to make a lot of people who don't understand this, but I'm saying, of course, the devil wasn't fighting you when you were on his team. Now you're dribbling the ball down the other, for the other team. He don't want you to score. So what's he doing? He's constantly putting things against you, stirring the family members up, getting you to be angry, getting you to not trust people, getting you to be uh, insecure and lose loss of confidence, all that stuff to keep you away from the house of God, keep you away from agreement with other, other people of war. Because see, we're supposed to be having each other's back here. So when people call you and say, or get, call you, grab you in the corner, you don't turn away and go, yeah, I'll pray for you, says God, but you grab them right then and there. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke this power off of your life. See, now you're engaged in warfare. Don't tell me God won't honor that. Sad to say that most church folks, uh, you know, come uh, to church to be babied. And unfortunately, guys, to be honest with you, I don't like to talk bad about any other ministries, and so I won't name any. But I'm just here to tell you, it's sad that we've come to this. And I see so many churches now that are just gaga goo goo. I mean, it's, it's romper room. It's baby land. It's, put a little, put a little pacifier in my little mouth and let me, let me burp me every now and again. And, you know, we don't give no meat. Don't tell them nothing about sin. Don't tell them to live right. You know, people have left this church because I said live right. I love you. I have to tell you the truth. I don't want you to go. But if that offends you, I'm so sorry, but I got to tell you the truth. I, 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 I was sent to build a church, but the church God wants. Does that make sense? So it's not numbers at any cost. And unfortunately, that has become the trend, and, and we don't want to offend anybody. And, and I think God will use it for a season, but I'm here to tell you, I think there's a, I, I'll, I'll prophesy this and tell you, I believe a lot of men of God. I, said, I had a vision, and I saw a man of God that I did not recognize, but he was of a large ministry, and it was a vision. I was just in prayer, and I saw the man, and he was in a study at the church, and he was bawling. I mean, I mean, he was gushing just from his guts on all four snot, everything, just, uh, just before God, begging God to forgive him, saying, Lord, I built the church I wanted, and I have not built the church you wanted. Forgive me. Give me another chance. I will build what you want. See, that needs to be the cry of our heart in the first place. Let's build what God wants. I'm not out to offend anybody. But the word, unfortunately, just like Jesus, when he stood up, it divides. It divides. And you have to understand that this is not, this is not, we're not called to have a daycare center for adults. Somebody say amen to this. Amen. amen. Pouting when we don't get our way. Pouting when I sat in my chair. Pouting when my parking space is out there. Pouting, they ran out of coffee. Pouting, you know, pouting. All the pastor does is talk about offering. Pouting when they talk about well, my kids are back there, you know, they're not getting there. I pouting, I didn't sing my song out there. I, I love that song. And they just, I, they played it twice. And that's all they did, play it twice. That's my song. I don't like any of those songs up there. <laughs> pastor, Deborah, how can we don't preach on this when I didn't, you know, all that stuff. That's, that's, that's what babies do. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became mature, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Amen. Church is not a daycare for adults. It is literally a headquarters for military strategy and defeating the enemy. We come together to rally the troops. We come together to rally the troops.
It's like, you know, the, what are the, uh, I wish I'd have thought about this beforehand, but, you know, uh, where they would have the troops come together and the celebrities from the States would go over, you know, they were overseas and they would, they would come over and they put on a little show and they have music and all that kind of stuff. What do they do? They're building the morale. They're saying, we're so glad, we're so proud to be an American. We're so glad you're here fighting for us. What's it doing? It's building people's morale. And so they do what? Go back out there and fight that battle on our behalf. That's exactly how church is. It's to build the morale of the people. Give them the word of God to build their faith. Hence, we're called build faith builders. Amen. We build faith and we share faith. We build faith and we share. We build your faith so you can share your faith. Amen. And, and what happens then? Then we get built up so we can go out there and engage in battle. If we're looking for comfort, if we're just looking for comfort, we will be, we will at the end be deceived. And the enemy will give us the comfort we're looking for in the natural. And then it will be so comfortable until you are no, you're relegated to doing nothing for God anymore. And then you join, excuse me, but I'm going to say it like I mean it. You'll join a church that will be confirming to that. You just come in. We say four points and a point. We ain't going to offend you. and We ain't going to put you to work. We're not going to make you come out for prayer. You know, that's just a lot. Of, let us, well, staff members will do that for you. You just come. And if you're in sin, the grace of God will cover you. Don't worry about it. No, church, I'm sorry. That's not the gospel Jesus bled and died for. Can I say something about grace before we're out of here tonight? It's not a part of my message, but grace is not given to us so we can go out and sin. It's not a free ticket to go sin. But do you know how many churches either say that or inadvertently are saying that by their behavior patterns and letting the people not even dealing with it? That's not God. It's, it's taking people to hell. It's, all, it's really a doctrine of demons. It's a doc so grace isn't given for us to sin. Grace is the power to keep us from sin. Amen. And if we do sin, we come to God and we ask him to what? Forgive us of our sin. And he's so wonderful. He will come and forgive us of our sin. He doesn't play hardball with that. He loves your heart that you're open but you don't get a free ticket, amen, to go out and say, I get to do, look at this, this is my grace ticket right here, hey, we're going to party, and Jesus said it's all good, right? I'm going to tell you something. I get a little on the old school side, you know. I'm a little on the old school side. I was brought up, man, everything was bad, <laughs> you know. We're going to go to hell any moment, praise God. And, and, and I didn't get the feeling that God was out to get me, but I did get the feeling of sin is for real, and you shouldn't play with it. And I knew that when I backslid, guys, I knew I was going to hell. I didn't play with it. I, I, unfortunately, I did it knowingly. And I'm not proud of that, but I did. But I thank God. I thank God that my parents and my church taught me that was, my lifestyle was not becoming what God wanted for me. And if I died in my sin, I would go to hell. You know why? Because every day I thought about it. Every And I'd put it out. I'd try to put it out until one day he said, enough's enough. Jeff, this is the way, this is the road you're walking. It's leading straight to hell. You got one or two decisions. You keep walking that way or you do what I tell you to do. And I said, Lord, I do what you tell me to do. Praise God. Did you want to? At the time, I didn't. But within a few days, all of a sudden, that grace, that mercy, 
that unmistakable love that hits you like a wave and keeps hitting you over and over until you just are melting and you and everything comes alive to you. He is awesome. He is real. But Jeff had to repent. Just because I said that prayer when I was seven years old didn't mean I was getting going straight to heaven. You know, I was as secure as I wanted to be. What do you mean, Pastor? You mean my salvation is secure if I mess up? Okay, let me put it to you this way. I didn't mean to get into all this tonight, but since I'm here, let's go ahead and talk about it real quick. Church, look, here's the deal. Common sense. Common sense, according to the Word of God. It's like this. If you're flying at a safe rate, a safe flight, at, let's say, 35, 38,000 feet in the air, right? It's going to take you from Milwaukee to Miami, Florida. Who'd like to go? Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So it's going to take you there, right? One stop. Bam. We're going to go there. Now, you're on the plane. You're safe, right? Engines are running. God is your captain. And you're flying in the skies, the friendly skies. And you're going to land in Miami safely. You'd be a fool to open that door and jump out and say, see you when I get there. You know, I mean, what, what are you, stupid? What's wrong with you? God's grace his mercy and his salvation is you getting on that plane and taking you to your destination called heaven to land safely. You don't jump out on your own accord. If you do, it's to your own peril. That's what I'm talking about. That's the message that need to be preached where people go, oh, maybe I shouldn't be living this way. Oh, maybe sin isn't really that good. Oh, maybe they're not that attractive so I can go have sex with them outside of marriage until I lose my salvation. How come I talk about sin? It just gets quiet in here. I'm not picking on nobody. I don't even know your lifestyle. I, I'm just telling you the truth. That's what God says. So if we're going to get to the next, our next level, our next season, our next place in God, our next promotion, it's got to be obedience unto God. And I always say this, whatever he wants, I'm going to give him. Whatever he wants, he gets. Do you do it all the time, Prude? Are you always successful? No, of course I'm not. Thank God I can for, ask for forgiveness. But I'm always striving. That's what I want. I don't want to do my thing. I want to do God's thing. Amen? Amen. How many is ready for the next place in your life? Come on. I am. I got both hands up. I'm ready. Why don't you stand up with me tonight? Did you enjoy the word tonight? Did you have a great? Father, we love you and honor you in this place. And